You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. Welcome back, listener, to episode 61 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. And as we get started, I have to say, this is a very special episode. It, uh, this remi- <laughs> <laughs> well, this reminds me of like old 90s sitcoms when they were going to tackle like a hard issue. And they, they would say, this is a very special episode. Make sure your parents are in the room. That's, <laughs> that's right. So, uh, listener, make sure your parents are in the room because, uh, unfortunately, there is no Nathan Van Horn on today's episode of the podcast. Um, he's not sick or anything. He just could. He uh, just had other uh, other schedule other scheduling conflicts. We'll yeah, say that pastoral duties, whatever that's supposed to mean. That sounds mysterious <laughs> when, when you go, "Oh, pastoral duties." I've never said so, anything um, like that. <laughs> <laughs> so the the collective IQ of the podcast has just dropped. I don't know, like a hundred and thirty <laughs> points. Yeah. Well, we will miss him, and uh, he is off taking care of business matters that needed his attention, but. Even in absence, he still speaks. We've gone over the show notes with him, and some of you are shocked right now if they even think that there are show notes. But we have gone over the show notes with him, and he will be speaking even from silence today as we throw in a few of his ideas into the text. Uh, you can almost say that the spirit of Nathan is hovering over the chaotic waters. <laughs> the, the chaotic waters that are Matt and Gandalf. <laughs> Matt, Matt and Gandalf on the podcast. But before we get into it... You can I, be absolute... Uh, I'll be Tiamat. All right, there we go. <laughs> that's that's digging way back into like a that's, year that's ago. That's a deep cut. A deep. Cut. Uh, oh, deep. Oh, before, there we go again. Ah. Uh, uh, but before we get started, I will say, if you listen to the podcast for any length of time, you know that I, I always urge you to like and subscribe to the podcast. But today we have to change that methodology, that mm-hmm. terminology, sadly. Times because are now, Yes. There's a famous song. Maybe that should be the name of the podcast. We'll <laughs> see. But now on Apple, you no longer have an option to subscribe. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, you must now hit the plus mark. So if you are someone who has not hit the plus mark, please do so. That way you can have a notification every Tuesday morning when there's a new episode of the podcast. So with all of that business out of the way, um, I'm curious, what are we talking about today? Because I know Nathan was looking forward to that stuff in chapter 12, and I, I hate to think that we're going on without him. Uh, well, we're not going to go on without him. And leave it to me, the guy who's been in the Gospel of John since on preaching on Sunday mornings since, uh, I think, October of 2019. And leave it to me to want to go back in the text. We're going to actually go back to Genesis 11 and cover a few details that I think are just fascinating. Nathan thinks this as well. And uh, I think there's going to be some neat gems that we're going to discover today as we look at the text. So why don't we begin by, uh, Gandalf, why don't you read Genesis chapter 11, verses 27, all the way to the end of chapter 11. And then in reading chapter 12, just read verse 4 and skip over chapter 12, 1 through 3, which is the call of Abraham, the call of Abram that we looked at last week. Just uh, We've already looked at that. We're going to look at that more in the future, but we're really focusing on Terah's family, which is Abraham's father, and how they they relate to the covenant family, which is Abraham, the son of Terah. All right, here we go. And as always, this is from the ESV. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. 
And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Ishka. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandsons, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went forth from Ur of the Chaldeans to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. And now going to chapter 12. This is skipping just, down to verse just after four. God says to Abram, go out from your country. That's right. Like we talked about in the last episode. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Perfect. Thank you so much, Gandalf, for that excellent reading. So you're welcome. I, I was a little nervous there, but I <laughs> you I read that previously, so I remembered the pronunciation. <laughs> yes, you did. You did excellent. And as we have said before, when it comes to all these uh, Middle Eastern names, just say them quickly and sound like you know what you're saying, because nobody else will know the difference. So you just say it with authority, and you'll sound smart. But Man, that, that's, that's how I live my entire life. <laughs> Uh, some people make a career on that. I'm not going to name names. All right. <laughs> but anyway, getting into the text today, we want to talk about Tara. Who is Tara? Now, Tara is the father of Abram. Tara has three sons. You know, this is a story about a man, a man named Tara. All right. And he has three sons, Abram, who is our guy, Nahor, who is the brother of our guy, and Haran, who is also the brother of our guy, Abram. Now, Abram's name will ultimately get changed to Abraham. Perhaps you know that story. If not, it is coming. But there are some nuances in the text that talk about this family. One of the things that Nathan and I talked about in preparation for this episode is that <laughs> this episode could be called, you know, One Big Happy Family, because it is amazing that it's hard to see here in the text, but as Genesis progresses, it's amazing how often this family line will cross each other of like brothers marrying half-sisters and so on and so forth, or cousins marrying cousins. And of course, that is repulsive to us in 21st century, you know, Western culture. But how are you, however, we got to remember, if you take the biblical timeline, this is only a few hundred years removed from when all of the people groups broke up according to their language at Babel, like mm -hmm. marrying within your, you know, your nation that it's not like there was a whole lot to choose from. All right. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're, you're not getting any returns on Tinder like, you know, <laughs> at this point. That's right. And so absolutely. So it's just interesting to me how this works out. So in the show notes, if you want to, click on them. There is this little uh, family tree that we found online on Google. So it's official, but we did check it up against the scripture <laughs> and some stuff. So it it's, it's very useful and it's Tara's family tree. Now, just as a reminder, who's Tara? He's the daddy of Abram, Nahor and Haran. 
Now, we learned in the text from a few weeks ago that Haran died in the presence of his father in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, we talked about some Jewish traditions, rabbinic traditions that talk about, well, is that potentially Haran dying in the fire of the Chaldeans? Uh, was it like a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment? Again, that's a rabbinic tradition. I don't personally see that in the text, but it is fascinating as we talked about a few weeks ago. Do you remember that, Gandalf? Yeah. In fact, if I recall, either you or Nathan were saying that even even some traditions merge those stories together. Yes. And they, they end up becoming the same event. Yes. Yes. So regardless, the biblical text here is clear that Haran, the brother of Abram, dies. So Terah has three sons. Now one son is dead. The other son announces that he is leaving his father's house because the Lord has met with him. Now, here's what's interesting. Terah was not a monotheist. Terah is a polytheist. Terah grew up in Ur of the Chaldeans. He does not acknowledge the singular God of Abraham because that we, we don't really know about him yet, okay? Terah is a polytheist, and he leaves his father's house, who is this polytheist. In fact, it's captured in Joshua 24, 15, which is at the end of the conquest narrative of Joshua, when the Israelites are being confronted by Joshua, and he's telling them, listen, I'm going to serve God and God alone, but if it seems more acceptable to you to worship other gods, you can do that. Gandalf, why don't you read Joshua 24, 15 for us? All right. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the regions beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites who, whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, man. <laughs> I, 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 love, I love that you do you attitude from Joshua. He's like, he's like listen, you want to make all these bad decisions? That's your thing. That but me, it's, I'm going to serve the Lord. Yeah. It's, it's all on you. Now, there are some fascinating things here that I cannot fully unpack, but I can't wait till we get to Joshua in the year 2045. So <laughs> anyway, the first thing I want to look at is this, is in that verse, it says, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river. Let's pause right here. What is he talking about? Who were the fathers of the Israelites? This would not be Abraham because Abraham was... Abraham fo followed God. He followed right? God. At least that's how he ended his life and became a faithful follower of God. But his father, Terah, was a polytheist that was beyond the river. The river here referring to the Euphrates River. Amorites in whose land you dwell. Who are the Amorites? Now, this is fascinating, and we will get there later, but the Amorites, remember, these are the giant clans. If you've read forward in the story, these are the ones that the children of Israel, when they were at Kadesh Berea, when they sent spies into the land, they saw the Amorites and were afraid because they were giants, and they said, we are like grasshoppers towards them. The Amorites are the descendants of the Rephaim 
who were the descendants of the Nephilim. And we've talked Uh-oh. about that, and that's not to rehash that. But it's fascinating. So what is, Do- what is Joshua saying? If you want to worship granddaddy's gods, then okay, you do that. If you want to worship the Rephaim, the Amorites, the descendants of the Nephilim, then you do that. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the biggest thing I want us everybody to see over this is that, or, or Gandalf, as we've looked at this text, what is abundantly clear for Joshua? What is he saying? I mean, for Joshua, the choice is clear. He's like, y'all, y'all can, y'all can dally around with those guys, but we're, we're, we're going with, we're going with who Abraham worshipped. We are going with who Abraham worshipped. So when we talk about Tara's family, when it comes to religiosity, when it comes to religion, Tara's family is divided. Now, there's another passage that's very unique, and I, I want you to see it. It's in Genesis 31. Genesis 31, and this is when a descendant of Terah, through his, through well, it gets complicated, but through his son <laughs> Nahor, a man named Laban, which if you know your biblical history, you know Laban has two daughters named Rachel and Leah that are going to marry a man named Jacob, who's a descendant of Abraham. And we're going to get into that. That's going to get a fun here in a minute. But here's the important thing. Laban has a falling out with Jacob because they end up deceiving each other over and over again. But Laban has the lion's share of deception towards Jacob, and he tries to take advantage of him. But God blesses Jacob anyway. But what happens is Jacob realizes that he can no longer dwell in the land with Laban. So he has to get away from his father-in-law, and he decides to go back to the land of his fathers because the angel of the Lord leads him to do so. Well, while he takes off, Laban decides to grab armed men and go after Jacob and his daughters, Rachel and Leah, and then his grandchildren. Uh, you think you think your family's dysfunctional, you know, chasing down, you, you know, your family and your your kinsmen with 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 armed guards. But anyway, it went down. So before Laban catches up to Jacob, God, the God of Abraham, appears to Laban in a dream and says, do not stop Jacob and be careful when you see him not to say to him anything good or bad. So Laban has an at least an awareness of who the God of Abraham is. And there's an unusual passage in Genesis 31 in verses 51, where Laban and Jacob make an agreement with each other, and they also swear it upon the gods of their fathers. I want you, I want you all to see this. This, is, this stuff is really fascinating. Gandalf, why don't you read Genesis 31, verses 51 through 53. All right. Actually, 54. 54, okay. Mm-hmm. This is in the ESV. Then Laban said to Jacob, see this heap and pillar, which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me. Let me say something really quick. The heap and pillar, they're setting up rocks of remembrance to make a covenant with each other. That's what the heap is. All right, keep going. Okay. Verse 53. 
the God of a- Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, and Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. All right, I, I see exactly what you're about, okay. about to pick what, up in what, here. I see what it. verse do you think I'm going to pick up on? 53. 53. Read 53 again. This is fascinating. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor. Now, the God of their father judge between us. Okay. So why is this complicated? Because we're looking at the ESV together. If you were looking at the ESV, there are a few words that are capitalized. Which ones? Uh, God. That's right. The word capital G-O-D is in front of the God of Abraham, also the God of Nahor, and... The God of their father. Now, so it gets okay, so, it gets problematic. Yeah. It gets problematic yeah. <laughs> because because it sounds like Laban here is saying that Terah, Nahor, and Abraham all worship the same God. At least that's what the ESV leads you to believe. But there is a problem. Gandalf, do you remember back in the far reaches of your mind when we started the podcast and we were in Genesis 1 and we talked about the most common name for God, God in the Old Testament is Elohim and Im is a plural ending for the Hebrew. Do you remember that? I do remember. And what do you remember how to identify whether or not the word should be translated plurally or singularly? Do you remember how? Uh, it was subject verb agreement. Subject verb right. agreement. If the verb is plural, then Elohim is plural. If the verb is singular, then Elohim is singular. If I remember the example that we we saw in Genesis was that the serpent told Eve, "You will you will be like Elohim." Yes, but he but he was saying it plural. He was saying it plural. You will be like one of the gods. All right, and that's we talked about how the KJV just translates it as is, but the ESV goes with capital G O D here. But if you just go with the text, the verb in verse fifty three, judge. When Laban says the God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father, judge is plural. It is third person plural. This is not a singular God. Because Laban is saying these three gods are not the same person because they cannot be because judge is a plural verb. So now (laughs) there's another translation which tries to take an attempt of this, of cleaning this up. And it's the the New English translation. I'm going to read to you verse 53. Okay. The New English translation says this, may the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the gods of their father judge between us. Now, do you see what took place there? There's there's separation between Abraham, Nahor, and then their father. Yes. Now, the way the, the New English translation does it, though, it capitalizes God of Abraham, 
and does a lowercase on the singular God of Nahor. And then it does lowercase on the plural gods of their father, Terah, and says judge between us. And then the way the New English translation translates the rest of the verse, it says, and Jacob took an oath, took an oath by the God whom his father Isaac feared. So let me do just a little bit of background here. And this is going to be beautiful how this comes together. I just love the Bible. So... We know from the story that Laban already has an awareness of the God of Abraham, because if you're reading chapter 31, the God of Abraham appears to him in a dream. Also, if you're aware of the story, he was chasing Jacob because Jacob's wife, Leah, not only jumped town with Jacob, but stole the household idols. So... Laban, as a descendant of Nahor, it is likely Nahor acknowledged the God of Abraham, but acknowledged him among the other gods. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so the reason why it's 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 not capital G, but there's a separation between gods and then the God of Nahor is because Nahor most likely believed like he he acknowledged God among many. He Is acknowledged that what you're he acknowledged the singular God of Abraham, but I think the NET goes with this to specifically show the special relationship that Abraham has with the singular God. And the NET points out that Terah was a polytheist, and as Nathan, when we were talking uh, off recording, Joshua twenty four fifteen that we've already looked at almost demands that you understand Terah, the fathers, as polytheists. So let's just think about this. This is a family, going back to Genesis chapter 11, that is traveling together from Ur of the Chaldeans. And they settle in Haran, and there Terah dies. So this is a family that is divided by tragedy, Haran dies. This fan is, family is also divided by religion. It is possible that Nahor acknowledges the God that's appeared to Abraham, and the text seems to suggest that, but he doesn't forsake his worship of the other idols. Then you have Terah, who is a polytheist. So when God is forming this family up, we have the descendants of Shem that we talked about in the genealogies. And you see, we talked about the children of Heber who became the Hebrews. And then ultimately, he keeps narrowing it down and narrowing it down until you get to Terah. And then even from Terah, he breaks off, God breaks off two branches, Nahor and Haran, and chooses to work only with Abraham. Are you tracking with me? I'm tracking. All right. So here's where this is fascinating. And this is a biblical theme. And Nathan pointed this out to me. This is fascinating to me. Is how this family tree comes back together. I opened with describing the family tree to you. You have Terah, who has three sons, Haran, Nahor, and Abram. 
Haran dies, so the line of Haran is dead, right? Well, not entirely. He has a son named Lot. We go on to find out more about Lot, and we'll cover him in future weeks. But Haran also has a daughter named Milka. And I know this is going to get weird for our Western ears. Milka marries her uncle, Nahor. So Milka and Nahor, the second son of Terah, have offspring, and their son is named Bethuel. And Bethuel has two children, Laban and Rebekah. I know we've talked about Laban. Gandalf, do you recognize the name Rebekah from your biblical history? Yes, we're, we're, we're starting to see familiar names here. Oh, in yeah. Major stories. So who is, who is Rebecca? Now, to make it even more weird, Tara <laughs> is also the father of Sarah, or Sarai, by a different wife than he fathered Abram with. So This is like the worst episode dude, of Mari I've ever seen. <laughs> that's right. That, that's right. So, so here's what's fascinating, though. Sarah and Abraham, Sarah and Abraham, so they ultimately become, they have Isaac, and Isaac marries Rebekah, and Rebekah is the daughter of Bethuel, who is the grandson of Haran and the son of Nahor. You see how these lines are converging back together? They they all they all become one again, basically. Yes. Tara's family tree. Tara being the root has three branches Haran, Nahor, and Abram. Haran dies. Of course, Tara and Nahor are not among the covenant family because the covenant family starts not with Terah, but with Abraham, with Abram. So Terah's family, because they are under the curse of Babel and have been disinherited, are now being brought into the covenant family of Abraham because Isaac has married Rebekah. And to make it even more complicated, but somehow beautiful at the same time, that other kid, Laban, has two daughters, Leah and Rachel. And that couple, Isaac and Rebecca, have a son named Jacob, who will become Israel, mm -hmm. that God will use to graft in... Haran and Nahor through their descendants into the line of Abraham. So this is amazing. Abraham, the son of Terah, brings redemption to his father's family. It is the descendant of Terah that rescues the family of Terah. Abram's this is, family. This is, 
This is just like Lord of the Rings, where the sword of a seal door is broken and then it's yeah, remade. It's it's yeah. What what's the, what's the exact line where like they're there uh, in, at least in the movies that, when they're that, line, which, was that broken. line was broken. It has been remade. It has okay. It has been remade. All right. So here's what's beautiful: the whole idea of offspring rescuing their ancestors. Should that ring a bell from anything in the first early episodes of our podcast? Genesis 3.15. It's the seed of woman. It's the descendant that is going mm. to rescue the entire race. We see it in a microcosm here. Oh my gosh, I just love the Bible. It's so beautiful. So it is the descendant that brings redemption to the ancestor's family, but not just the descendant brings redemption to the ancestor's family, but this redemption takes place through marriage. Oh my goodness. If this is not screaming Romans chapter nine and Romans 11, I don't know what is. Gandalf, read for us real quick. Romans nine verse 13. Romans 9, verse 13 from the ESV says, As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Now, how is that verse commonly used? We talked about that last week. Yeah, this is exactly what we talked about last week. It's normally talking about J Jacob he chose for salvation and Esau he didn't. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. it's meant to express the exclusivity of God's salvific choice that God chose Jacob for salvation and Esau for damnation or reprobation. That's typically how it's used. However, the trajectory of Romans 9 through 11, first of all, that is, a we looked at last week, a reference from Malachi, which God is speaking to the descendants of Jacob saying, listen, I have loved you because look at the descendants of Esau. I've blessed you and I have not preserved their line. And if you, we understand election as God calling Abraham's family to be a blessing for purposes to bring salvation to the world, rather than understanding election as God loving one and not another for salvation, I think it brings into focus what Romans 9 through 11 is saying. And this is where it gets so beautiful. I can hardly stand it. Oh my goodness, this will make me cry. All right. So <laughs> Romans 11, Romans 11, verses 11 through 12. Romans 11, verses 11 through 12. Here's what it says. Paul, he's got this big talk about election, and this is where it goes. He starts talking about the fact that Jews don't believe and Gentiles are now coming into the family, and these Jews are being broken off of the tree of election, so to speak, of being used by God as this instrument of salvation. They're, they're, they're being broken off in unbelief. And so here's what it says, Romans 11, 11 through 12. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? Talking about Jews. By no means. Rather, through their trespass, Salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? 
Now, going back to our Lord of the Rings, are you catching some of the theme here? That they have yes. been broken off, but there is coming a day where they, like the Gentiles who have now been regrafted into this family, they are coming back into the family. So to go forward in Romans 11, it, verses 17 through 18, and also look at verse 24, he says, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Paul is saying to the Gentiles, don't judge these Jews. Yes, they've been broken off, but they were broken off for your sake. And also, here's what gets so beautiful in verse 24. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree. This is what Paul is saying. Listen, they've been broken off from the family, but God has the power to graft them in again. And he just begins to break into worship by the end of the chapter. And verse 36 says this, for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. All right. Are, are, are you picking up what I'm putting down, Gandalf? Man, I'm, I'm picking it up. The, the line is broken, but it shall be one day remade. It shall be one day remade. And when you look at Tara's family line, it is the descendant which brings redemption to the ancestor's family. And this takes place through the marriage of the covenant son with the bride. The bride that came from the broken lines of Terah. In all cases here, Laban's daughters, Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the, the daughters of ones who were cut off because of the disinheritance that took place at Babel are brought back into the family through the marriage to the covenant son. If that doesn't sound like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that is compared in the New Testament of our relationship to him, calling us the bride of Christ, receiving his allotted inheritance that Rebecca and Leah and, and Rachel and their children receive the inheritance of the promised blessing to Abraham not by blood from Abraham, but by marriage and the providence of God and bringing this family back together. Gandalf, this is the beauty of election and salvation and the beauty of the Bible and God's love for the entire world that wants to bring the entire world back into his family by sending the bridegroom. I'm preaching now. Oh my goodness. Sending, Preach it, brother. Preach yeah, it. Sending the bridegroom, sending the bridegroom into the world to bring the broken lines back together. 
No wonder John 3.16 is so beautiful that God so loved not the Jews, but the world that he did what he gave his monoyenes, only son, only one like him, just like Isaac was the only unique son, the only unique son that God works through the only unique son and reforming this broken family. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. I've been preaching. Now I'm crying. <laughs> I just love the Bible and I just love the gospel. And if you don't love Jesus, I've got news for you. He loves you. And um, man, amen. Amen. And amen. All right. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> well, th- there you go. It, it's like we always are saying, there's, there's always more, not less. Th- oh, this is what you, yes. this is what you miss when you skip straight from the flood to call of Abraham. Absolutely. Well, Nathan Van Horn, we missed you. Thank you, Eva, for helping us in the preparation to this episode. Indeed. (laughs) He will be back next week, God willing. Yes, and and listener, if you would like to be grafted into the community of the Better Than Fiction Bible (laughs) podcast subscribers, then hit that that plus mark on Apple Podcasts, hit like on Spotify, hit like on Google Podcasts. Every Tuesday, new episode. Until then, you have a fantastic week, and we'll see you here again next time. See you next time. God bless. Shalom. (laughs) There it is. Two is the loneliest number (laughs) that you'll ever know.